celebrating our church anniversary, we turn to 1 Corinthians, the 12th chapter, to look at the body of Christ. As we had our scripture earlier read this morning, we just want to highlight a few more verses out of this 12th chapter of 1 Corinthians. I'll be reading from the New Living Translation, and I want to bring to our attention again, looking at verses 14 to verses 21 of this 12th chapter, verses 14 to 21. Those who are able to stand in honor of reading of God's words, you're welcome to do so. Uh, those who have the Bible app, you may join the live event and you can find the text and sermon notes right there as well. And if you're not there, just say, hold on. Let us begin together. First Corinthians 12 chapter, starting at the verse 14, I say here. Yes, the body has many different parts, not just one part. If the foot says, I am not a part of the body because I am not a hand, that does not make it less a part of the body. And if the ear says, I am not a part of the body because I am not an eye, would that make it any less a part of the body? If the whole body were an eye, how would you hear? Or if your whole body were an ear, how would you smell anything? But our bodies have many parts, and God has put each part just where he wants it. How strange a body would be if it had only one part. Yes, there are many parts, but only one body. I can never say to the hand, I don't need you. The head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. Praise God for his word. You may be seated. As you take your seat, help me announce the subject matter to your neighbor. Tell them the church. People, not places. Tell your other neighbor, the church, people, not places. We're celebrating 136 years for our church anniversary. And so if, if the church was a place, we'll be only celebrating maybe 58 years. But yet, no, this, this building, you know, is a new building. The other one was torn down. But we're not celebrating a building. Because if we celebrate the building, that wouldn't be 136 years because they first met in somebody's house. So the church was not based on a location, not based being, as we know, at 7th and State or now Martin Luther King Jr. Drive. Nope, the church is people, not places. Some of y'all looking at me kind of funny because I know if you want to find a church, you open up the phone book and you find a church. But you're finding an address, not the church. Just because you pull a car in the garage or you in the garage, you don't become a car. Just because you can say that a cat has five legs because you named the tail a leg, don't make the tail a leg. You can call stuff and make it something, but it does not change what it is. A chair will always be a chair. No matter if you eat off of it, it won't be a table. And so looking at how we call the church, look how we use the terminology church. We, we, we get excited sometimes and we get happy sometimes. And we say, oh, we're going to have church in here. 
What you mean we're going to have church? You mean you, are you going to worship? Y'all quiet on me. Saying we use the word church as it's a time and an event, not that it is a living organism. You can't have church. You're supposed to be in the church. Y'all going to make me preach hard today. Y'all looking at me kind of funny. Look back in the Bible. It says that the body is one, though it has many members. And the body is the body of Christ. Go down to verse 28 saying that it is the church. Too often times we get caught up that we look at the church, that we make the church for what it is not. A church is not a place. It's not a social club. It's not a private club. That the church is not based on one individual, no matter how much money you give. The church is not based on one denomination, no matter how much you think your denomination is right. I heard all the jokes. One, 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 some pastor friends of mine say these things. They say, if I, if I was anything but a Baptist, I'd be ashamed of myself. Well, that's, that's good. That's nice. That's nice. But if I was anything but a child of God, I'd be ashamed of myself. Too many times we limit the church to what we define or what it, and what it is not instead of looking into the Bible to what it is. The church is not a place. Nowhere in the Bible do you find that the church is one particular place and location. The church are the called out believers of Christ. The church is those who confess the Son of God as their Lord and Savior, have been baptized, oh glory be to God, by the Holy Spirit, and participate in breaking of bread and communion with one another and a fellowship of the Spirit because there's one God, one Father, one baptism, one Spirit over us, in us all, and through us all. And that's why we can go to Him who can do exceedingly above and beyond what we can ask or think according to His riches and glory in us. Casses, casses through Christ for the church. So how is it that we think about the church and we think about ourselves? The church is not an individual. What does that mean? That means that the church is not all about one person. It's not all about one agenda and one idea. But the church is one, but yet it is many. You see that in verses 12 and 13, it talks about how we are many members, but yet we are one. Think about how a hand has, has uh, five fingers on there, and yet also the hand has a lot of small little bones inside of that. You can break oh, so many bones in your hand. Your hand alone has bones. Your, your, your skull has eight bones in it. Your ribs, you can count them. Just imagine how your body is made up. It looks like it's one, but it's so many parts are part of it. I found out the other day that somebody had a problem with their heart and the doctor let them know that that part of your heart is dead, but yet you can live without that part. It's amazing how how many parts in our body, how things work out, how we got an appendix. We don't even know what it's good for. But we know we need to get rid of it when you get appendicitis. It's amazing. We got things on our body we don't know how to use right. But yet it makes up who we are. But yet when we get in the church, all of a sudden we think we made the church. And so since we made the church, we could tell you what belongs or what does not belong. But let me help you out to understand that you did not make the church. I want you to understand that Christ is the church and he made the church. 
When you look at the word, the church, the ecclesia, it means a called out body. We have been called out of the world into his body, into fellowship with him. You understand, when Jesus prayed, Lord, let them be one as you and I are one, he desired for us to come together in unity, to realize we're not here just because of a location and an address, but we're here because what happened on the cross. The church should be one. We should not be fighting. Check this out. We should not be fighting over the colors of pews and carpets, about the design of flowers. Will you march in or will you process in? Are you in my parking spot? Are you in my pew? When we are fighting over those things, we lost focus of the church. The church is not about our, our preferences. It's not about our ideologies. But the church is about Christ. And so we understand that the church is not about a place. This place can burn down. We so enough still can worship together. We should understand that the church is not bound to a location. Though we may be buried to a location, the church is not bound to a location. We want to make the church a tradition more than what it is. There are traditions that are passed down, but it's not the traditions that we've made up. The church is one that we have so many. So basically, if we look at a process, if we look around of us and realize that I and, and you and, and we make up the church, we realize that each one of us are important. Not one of us is not important. The church is one. Therefore, I need you and you need me. So what does that mean? That means that I cannot excuse a member just because I'm not happy. You know how it is. As soon as somebody gets mad about what the sermon was preached about and it seemed like it was talking about you, you get mad and say, you know what? I'm going to leave the church. I'm going to excuse myself from the church because I'm mad now because you're going to get it in my business. Oh, I'm going to excuse myself from the church because all of a sudden so-and-so didn't talk to me. I'm going to excuse myself from the church because all of a sudden they didn't do what I voted for them to do. They voted against me, so I'm going to remove myself from them. It's amazing how when we get caught up thinking about ourselves and less about the church, we are so concerned about what we want and not saying, Lord, is it thine will? I, I want you to understand that you are not as important as you think you are. As much of the good ideas you have, as much as information you can have, as much as your potential and your position in society may be, it does not make you the cornerstone of the church. Uh, Christ is the cornerstone. He is the foundation. So when we look at it, that we don't have any say, well, you know what? Uh, I, am, I am the hand. I, I am not a part of the body. So therefore, I don't need to be a part of the body because I am not the eye or I am not the E here. Do you understand God has a purpose that he's placed us exactly where he wants us to be? Y'all see that right there in the text, right? That he designed it as he desired it. And so God has placed us exactly where he wants to be. Now, think about it now. You know where you want to be, but God has put you where you should be. You know where you want to be, but God has placed you where you should be. So think about that. Where would you rather be? Where God wants you to be or where do you want to be? Because if you can go where you want to be, you might be out of his covering. And when you're out of his covering, anything will come your way. 
You need some example? Let me help you out. Samson, come here, Samson. Uh, Samson, you, you, you know Samson? He, he was a, a, a mighty, mighty man. He was called by God to, to get rid of the Philistines. And, and through the Spirit, God gave him strength that he could just do all kinds of things. And through the strength, he was able to wrestle with a lion and win. Through his strength, he was able to take thousands upon thousands of men by himself. But yet, when he fell in love with a Philistine woman that didn't love him back, he should have been married, but yet, mm, I'm not going to leave that alone. He is going on and fell in love with a woman that don't love him. And he told her all his secrets, not keeping his oath. All of a sudden, one morning he woke up, his strength was gone. I want you to understand that when we are not within the fellowship of God, it's amazing what we once had is gone. Mm. You used to be able to sing real good in the church. Now you're out in the world. All of a sudden you don't sing the same key. You used to feel real good about yourself in the church, but as soon as you got out in the world, you start feeling more depressed. You understand that the body of Christ needs one another, that we build each other up and encourage one. Don't think of yourself better than you because if you excuse yourself, check it out. Any part away from the body, what happens to it? It dies. So don't excuse yourself. Don't forget to assemble together such as some has. But we need to come together. Tell your neighbor, you need to come together. See, I, 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 in this world, it's hard for us to come together because we deal with so many of us. And, and that's the problem because there's no perfect church. And, and if there is a perfect church, and I, I guarantee if I'm a part of it, it's not perfect anymore. I'm just speaking about me. I, I can't speak for all y'all holy brothers because y'all saved and sanctified, filled the Holy Ghost. Y'all, don't, y'all have done no sin in your lives. But, but for myself, I know that any church I go into, once I stepped into that place and came with that worship and fellowship, there's a whole lot of problems up in here. But yet I realize with all my problems and with all my issues, when I come with the body of Christ, I find out I can fit in. And they can correct some of those things. Because we can't excuse people just because we don't like them and we can't exclude them because we don't think they're important. Because God has placed members, each one of them, in the body just as he desired. Tell your neighbor, God makes things important, not you. I, I, I know you like so-and-so because they can sing the best. I know you like so-and-so because they give the most. I know you like so-and-so, and, and it seems like they're important, but yet they're not important just because you say so. Each one is important. Each one is needed. You don't think about your pinky toe till you stub it on the door. You didn't think it was needed till then. You felt like, oh, I need you. <laughs> I, I need you to be acting right right now because I sort of can't walk because my foot, my pinky toe is hurt. It's amazing how we don't think something's important until we see the need of it. We think we know everything, but we need to calm ourselves, find out who knows everything. That is God. And God knows what is needed. That means this, that I need to learn to be more loving, more caring, more concerned about who's around me and realize how can I lift them up and not tear them down. Because don't get back to excusing part, because then when we get upset, we want to leave and say, I'm going to take my membership somewhere else. 
I, I want to let you know, you can take your membership somewhere else, but the, I mean, the problems are not going to change. Oftentimes, when we look, get true to the matter, the problem is at everybody else. The problem is right there in the mirror. And you're looking in the mirror. And you're seeing the problem. And so we get real to ourselves and realize, Lord, that how can I be a part of the body? How can I be used? And I start realizing that I am important and everybody around me is important. And together we make one, but though we are many. So therefore, I see why I saying that I cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Or again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. But instead, we look at each other and say, you know what? I need you. Look at your neighbor tell them, I need you. Look at your other neighbor tell them, I need you. We need each other. Think about how together we get things together. The, the, remember how we talk about how somebody's silly as a goose, but yet I want you to think about next time you call somebody silly like a goose. Because when, when geese come together, they fly and they form in a V formation. The reason why they form a V formation is that they can cover a distance faster and quicker together than they can apart. And the reason why they work together and you hear them honking at one another is that they're encouraging the legals, keep all flying, keep all flying. And, and the legals hears this backup behind us and let us go, let us go. And the reason why they're in a V formation is because every time they flap their wings, the wind is going under to the other wing. And each one is pushing each other higher and making them faster. And so they're, they are multiplying the work being done. And then if you ever see how sometimes the V gets lopsided, what happens is that when the lead goose gets tired, he falls back. And the other ones fall back with him and say, don't go by yourself. We're going to back with you. And as he's regaining his strength, somebody else gets up in front and they go further. And even this, if a goose gets shot and falls down, another one falls down with it. And he doesn't fall on, another one falls down with that one. Two will stay with that one until he dies. And then they'll wait to join another pack to keep on flying. Why is that? Because they understand how to stick together. They understand that we, we, we are better together than we are apart. But yet, oftentimes when we look in the church, we think we're better by ourselves. Then we are with the group. We like to say, I can do all bad by myself. Yes, you can. And you can do worse by yourself, too. But when you come amongst the church, check this out. What happens that you get around people that should be what? Encouraging you. They should be what? The wind beneath your wings. They should be the one helping you to soar higher and fly faster. They'll be the ones with you to be with you in time of mourning and time of suffering. They will rejoice with you and they will suffer with you. They understand that you are important. You are needed. I noticed you were missing. I'm just checking in to see how you are doing. Has anybody called somebody lately? They don't know that I missed you. I was just checking on you. I just want I want you to know that I love you. I don't need to get in your business. I just want you to know that I miss you and I need you and I love you. The church is people, not places. Because if it was just a place, then you wouldn't care about the people. But catch this, catch this, check this out. You could tell how you know the, that, that when the church is getting caught up in between that the, to, the building looks better than the people. Have such nice veneer. The windows are all nice. The pews are all up to date. All this is all up to date. When you walk in, you feel cold as ice. 
You don't feel welcome. You don't feel encouraged. But the building looks good. Would you rather rock into a torn up place and feel warm and welcome? Or to a pristine edifice and nobody knows your name? I've been to both. I've been to a beautiful place where I walked in, they didn't know who I was. I saw them outside on the street after worship. They still walk, talk to me like a stranger. But I've been to some, some ratted down places. But yet Shona felt the spirit up in there. Felt love and genuine and encouragement. Understanding that we didn't worship our God because he gave us this building. We worship our God because he gave us this life. That's why some churches are struggling. They feel if I build it, they will come. If I build a bigger place, more people will come. No, no, no. That's not why they come. You could big, you could big a build a Walmart in a dead town. Don't mean people want to move to that town. Sometimes we think we can make something that's going to attract people. But let me tell you something. God made the church. If you try to make the church, you got it backwards. Christ says, upon this rock, I will build my church. And so when we start thinking about what church is, we need to be mindful that the church is not an address. It's not bricks and mortar. It is not a physical edifice, but the church is the called out body of Christ. And so, for, so therefore, if the church is a called out body of Christ, and I didn't need to be careful with the body of Christ. I need to look after the body of Christ. I need to make sure, think about how, think about there's so many health information on tv to tell you how to take care of your body how you need to eat right how you need to exercise how you need to check your blood level how you need to check all these other vital signs how you can do all these things but yet in the church we don't do any checkups first thing you do when you go to the doctor he asks you have you had any problems that's what he asks. like since we last met have we have you had any difficulties you have any issues any things you need to brought up we come into the church and we come to worship. We don't even ask that kind of question to somebody. I lost somebody. I said, y'all going to make me preach hard in here. We should be so concerned about people that when they walk in into the place of worship, we should be so in tune and concerned to ask them, how have you been doing? We should be concerned. Have you been dealing with some issues in your life that we can pray with, that I can follow up with you and check with you? Because when you go into the doctor, you want him to be concerned about your health, not just for that day, but for your well-being. So therefore, the doctor asks you the question, have you had some problem? You're going to say, well, I've been having some soreness or so-and-so here. He says, well, let's do an x-ray. Let's check this out. And we'll follow up with you in a couple of weeks. Or you will say, maybe my, I feel kind of weak. Well, we need to do some blood work on you. Have you fasted today? No, I didn't fast. Well, we're going to have to set an appointment for you to come back after fasting so I can check it out. How is it that in the medical office we can obey what the doctor tells us in order to get healthy, but when we come into the church, we still want to do what we want to do. But yet if we get serious about what God's calling, we start saying, you know what, how are you doing, my brother, my sister? Oh, well, let me pray with you. Let me, let me follow up with you in a week and to see how you're doing and check up on you on this aspect. And then, you, and then when you get back with that prayer, they can tell you that prayer. But remember, we were praying about such and such. Well, so-and-so got a job. Or so-and-so is out of the hospital now. So-and-so is here. Oh, well, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. You can see how the thing is different. We encourage one another. We want to know more about each other. We can celebrate with what's happening in their lives. Because we understand I need you. The church is people, not places. And since it's people, I want to make sure the people are over okay. And if the people are okay, then I'm okay. Because 
when you are healthy, you're able to help somebody else. But if you're sick and I get sick, who's going to help the sick? But yet, if one is sick and one can help one get healthy, Cass says, I can nurse you back to health. So when I become sick, now you got the strength to help me out. We see that in the household. Think about how a child gets sick and you nurse that child back to health and then everybody else gets sick. But yet, one is healthy because one took the time to make sure that one was healthy. They say, well, you're on your own. You help each other out. We need to realize that since the church is people, we need to help each other out. That is not a place. We need to look after one for another and realize that the body of Christ has called us together. And so, therefore, there should be no division in the body. God has made us one, so we should be one. We are, we are giving responsibilities and honor only by his grace and his mercy. God is, if you see, it says that how those who are less presentable, those who are less modest, you know, we cover them up and we give them highest honor. And those that may not be, we, give, we have lesser honor for them. But yet I want you to understand that God has given each one a position. And whether you think it's honorable or not honorable, it is important. And so we need to know how to give God honor and honor one another. We need to pray that his church is one just as he is one. Because we're under one God. And so why, why does it matter about the church to be in people or not places? Do you understand that Christ is coming back again? And look closely, who is he coming back for? His church. Mm. And so if he's coming back for his church, don't say, well, I want to be at that address. That's not going to get you. He's coming back for his bride. And his bride are his believers, those who confess him. Those who are walking in the light, not in the darkness. Y'all quiet on me. I'm, I'm, I'm almost done. If y'all just help me preach it to fill me with mouth, I'm almost done. He's coming for his bride who are his called out believers who walk in the light and not in the darkness. All right, help me out now. Because he is the light of the world. And he tells you, he told us to be salt and light. And he's coming because not only he's the light of the world, he is the life of men. And he's come that we might have life. And, and we know his life is the life we want. So we have to put some, some modifiers in, not the kind of life we have, but everlasting life. And so he is coming back for his bride, and he wants his bride without spot or blemish or wrinkle. What does that mean? He wants his, his bride to look as beautiful as she can. And the only way the bride is going to look as beautiful as she can is if the bride is all put together. The bride is all put together. Y'all catch that, right? That we're not scattered all over the place, but no, we're one together. Oh, everything is tucked in nice. Everything is in the right position. The tooth that was crooked is now straight. Now you got that pretty smile. Everything is put together just right. And how is that happening? Oh, it's by the Spirit. Oh, glory be to God. The Spirit is working within the body, bringing things together. 
I'm trying to leave y'all alone. Y'all help me out. I'll be done real quick. Because when the Spirit is bringing us together, the Spirit is correcting the wrongs and making them right. The Spirit is renewing the mind. The Spirit is changing vocabulary. The Spirit is changing the way you walk. The Spirit changes the way how you handle relationships. The Spirit is building you up to do the things that Christ wants you to do. Because if Christ is the head, the body got to line up with the head. And so the Spirit is getting us together. So as we're practicing and participating in worship and ministry and service right here on earth, we are only just giving a glimpse of what's going to come because he's coming back again. So every time we come to worship, we should have a glimpse of the kingdom of God. And every time you get a glimpse of the kingdom of God, look what starts to happen. You see minds change. You see hearts change. You see lives change. You see healings come. You see miraculous things happen. Those are just signs of the kingdom. And every time he shows up, he shows out. And when we get together and are on one accord, look where the power moves. Look how your heart gets filled with joy. Look how you have peace in the middle of times of turmoil. We remember, was it two years ago when the tornado came? How many of you were at peace while we were downstairs in the fellowship hall? Mm. We were here in the church worshiping. And we continue on worshiping our same God. Because mm. we were together in one accord. When no, no, there, was no, there was no fighting. There was no arguing. Some were able to go downstairs, some were not. So we all came together. So, so some split up and said, I'll stay with here, we'll stay there. But together we were still one. And so when we work as one, look what happens. We are the bride who our Lord is looking for, who he's coming back for. And so until he comes, let us continue to get ourselves together. Let us continue to clean ourselves up in submission to the Holy Spirit. And say, Lord, help me to be your church. Can somebody say that, Lord, help me to be your church. Not, not my church, but your church. Because it's your church. It belongs to you. I belong to you. Have your way with me. Help me to be your church. So when you come back, I will be your bride. And together we will be one. So the church is people. Not places. And the people will be with him in heaven. And you know what the last word in Revelation is? Amen. Let us pray. Father, we just thank you for the power of your church. We thank you for the call of being one. And Father, we surrender to you, Lord, our selfishness, our pride, our egos, our issues that have caused us, Lord, to be a moment of contention or maybe a stumbling block or an issue within your body. But Lord, we thank you. You've never given up on us. We thank you, Lord, that your grace is everlasting. So we confess to you right now and we pray for you, for your healing, for your restoration to come upon us. And you restore, Lord, what has been broken, that we be one with you. Oh, Father, have your way in this place. We worship you. Bless your holy name. We pray. Amen.